It seems like in the early 2000s, everyone and their grandma was blogging as a side hustle. Nearly two decades later, and I feel like not a lot of people are talking about blogging as a side hustle anymore. Today, we're talking to Ricky from the YouTube channel Income School, who is a blogging expert and has over seven years of blogging experience and over 20 blog sites. Is blogging even more lucrative today than it was years ago? We're going to see how much profit you can potentially make with this as a side hustle and what is needed for you to start making money from blogging today. Also, a huge thanks to Ricky for all the great advice and tips during the interview. Please show him some love and check out his great videos all about blogging and everything you need to know about getting started. Now, let's jump right into the interview. We have Ricky here and the first one to start off the interview is how long have you been blogging for? Yeah, I've been doing this for about seven and a half years now. Oh, wow. And how many like websites do you own and operate? Uh, well, right now, in terms of blog sites, I have actually 22 of them. And then there's a couple other that are kind of more business sites in the sense that the site, it's not really a blog, but it exists for the purpose of selling a product. For example, we sell content. People can order articles from us. And that So that's kind of in addition to the 22. We've got a few of those as well. Okay, that's super interesting. And then how do you like get started with picking blogging versus other side hustles out there? Yeah, I, uh, I've i done all sorts of different side hustles. Uh, I've always had an entrepreneurial interest. Um, I took a very traditional route, got a very normal job. Um, I was a chemical engineer. Um, I got an MBA, was like working my way up the corporate ladder. But on the side, I was always doing something. So I've done like some Amazon FBA. I've done... Some other kind of more traditional businesses. I had a little paintball rental business at one point. Yeah, blogging was an interesting one because it kind of started with my friend Jim, who had picked it up on the side. I'm not quite sure where he like where that initial um, idea started for him, but but it did, and he started doing it for a while, not expecting much to come of it, trying to make a little bit of money on the side while he was in law school. But what happened for me is I saw that turn into pretty um, amazing success to the point that by the time he graduated law school, he like looked at his wife one day and said, I don't think I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a blogger because <laughs> he was making more from his blog than he was going to as a lawyer. And it was more fun. So uh, that that definitely seeing that success was one of the things that um, made me believe in the concept. And so when the opportunity came that he wanted to start this uh, business income school and wanted uh, really invited me to partner with him, I was just ready to jump on board. And for me, this started as a side hustle too. So for the next three years, I kept a day job, um, continued doing what I was doing. And really, uh, I haven't looked back. There are other side hustles that I know are, are great. Some that I've tried and, and done, others that I haven't. But, but this one has just really resonated with me, especially after seeing the success and seeing that it was a pretty repeatable process that's really been successful for many years now. It's not one of those fads that kind of came and went. Definitely. Yeah, it's great to hear. I think that's almost like everyone's, you know, dream. Once they're doing a side hustle, hopefully that replaces their their income and then yeah. some and especially something they're passionate about. So that's like yeah, fantastic to hear. Totally. <laughs> what about so when you're creating your different uh blogs and like platforms, what do you have like the content centered around? Is it could it be based on any industry, anything that you're passionate about? Could you if you stick with it, could you eventually turn that into, you know, something that generates a good amount of income from? Pretty much you can choose just about any industry. There are a few that actually the ones, they're the ones that usually come to mind when you think blogging. 
that actually aren't usually a good idea, unless that's like, you're an expert. And those are things like, um, everybody wants to do like a fitness blog or a weight loss blog or a, like a financial blog in the blogging space in Google search. Like those topics are really competitive because they're the first things that come to mind for people. And they're also the topics where Google wants to surface content that it has a high degree of like, they really have a high level of confidence that that content's going to be accurate. Unless you have expertise in that industry, it's harder to, to build up that authoritativeness and it's going to take a lot longer. People still do it. It's, it still works. Actually, we have found that oftentimes the most successful sites we've built are ones that are on just hobbies or areas of interest. Um, for us, people are Googling content all the time. They have questions all the time about uh, hobbies they want to get into, all sorts of things, even kind of around health, but that are kind of more niche things like specific like cases, living with uh, like eczema, raising kids, all sorts of the, like all sorts of things that still work, but things that are highly medical, highly health related and highly uh, uh, like financial related. <laughs> Those actually are some of the hardest ones to get into. It all works though. That's the cool thing with blogging is the internet's so huge. There's so many people um, using the web every single day that there are very few niches that are really just too small to work. Okay. That's great to hear. And that sounds like, yeah, especially if you're able to niche down, you might have an easier time getting started or initially getting found on Google. And also too, I feel like going back to your point, something you're interested in, I feel like your readers could tell if you're passionate about something and if you're just trying to do it for the money. So I think that's a a good little tip for anyone who's looking to get started. For sure. What about uh, moving on to like the next question, what like platforms and websites do you recommend for someone, someone to get started running a blog? Yeah, I... I actually recommend what, what we really teach everybody is we use WordPress, but we use the WordPress software on what you would call like a self-hosted blog. So, I mean, you can go to wordpress.com and they'll set everything up for you and it's hosted there. That's actually not what we recommend. You just really, I, we've got tons of information about this on our, cha- on our channel and on our website. So that's where you could go for the details. But basically you go to a company that does web hosting. And so there's just a monthly fee for them to store all of the files and stuff, and they'll install the WordPress software onto it. What that does is it just gives you like uber flexibility to create whatever you want in the future. But it's also, it's really built out well for blogging. Uh, It's really well optimized for SEO and it's the most used platform (laughs) for websites. And so there's just like endless customizability, but it's also not too hard to get started on as a beginner. There's a learning curve for sure, but but it's just not that bad. You can install a free theme on your website and just get to work on content right away. Anyway, it, it allows you to kind of work your way up the, that learning curve um, gradually, but eventually build out anything you want. Whereas most other platforms, you're going to be really limited to whatever whatever functionality that platform has built into it. So, okay, so something that can kind of <laughs> it can kind of scale with you as I guess your your blogging sure. website grows. Okay, and would you say it's yeah. like almost as simple as maybe uh, originally getting started with? If you could open and create, let's say, a YouTube account, then you should be able to navigate WordPress. Then, yeah, I would say that's the case with a little bit of guidance. So okay. if you just like get WordPress installed on a site and go log into the back end and have no guidance, it's going to be a, a bit overwhelming. But WordPress is used so much that like YouTube is so full of great tutorials on everywhere from the basics to really advanced stuff that um, that it really can be as simple. So if you have the skills to go create a YouTube channel and follow those instructions, then you absolutely could do this. 
Okay, that's great to hear. And then going back to more like the blog and actual posts, what would you recommend that you view viewers actually post? Should they, you know, just try to post as many as possible? Or from watching some of your videos, it sounds like there's actually a big strategy behind it and that can impact a lot of how many people are actually seeing it. There's a lot of strategy behind it. So, um, I mean, there's a whole industry around SEO, which is the search engine optimization, trying to get your content to rank. And I mean, it's a massive industry and it's not just bloggers. It's, uh, you know, big businesses with websites, little businesses with websites, everybody trying to get seen. And so our general strategy is within our, our niche, our industry, whatever we've picked as the topic of the site, we have some processes for how we identify different topics to write about based on things people are actually searching in Google. The biggest, I think one mistake most bloggers make is they first get started and they're like, okay, here's my topic. Here are the 10 things I just want to get off my chest. And they just start writing about stuff. And it's like, you you realize that if nobody's actually searching that question in Google, you will not get any traffic for that. And I think that's that's the direction most people just kind of want to go naturally. They're like, oh, I want to get my message out there. Well, your message gets nowhere <laughs> if if nobody's searching that. So we start by looking for search queries, and then we can kind of analyze those queries a little bit. It's it's not overly complicated, but we do have a pretty clear methodology for how to do this and identify which queries likely have a reasonable amount of search volume behind them. And, and then assessing kind of how competitive that query is. Um, is this something that I can write content for and reasonably rank? And when we do that, we can repeatedly uh, rank at the top of Google for tons and tons of search queries. Oh, wow. And then I guess trying to find out how much like, demand there is for a certain question is one of the, like, I guess, tips would be maybe going into Google and say, if you want to, for example, start a blog about gardening. Maybe put in gardening. And I know if you put in the asterisk, you can see what questions or what people are typing in Google. Yeah. So that's kind of a, a starting point. And we we used to do just that. I mean, that was a great starting point. Like if you just go to Google and start typing in a word like that, gardening, uh, then you could type in, you know, put a space and then type a letter like A. And it'll auto-suggest based upon actual search queries where that started with the word gardening and the next word started with an A. And then we could do that for every letter. We, we found that in recent times to be a little less reliable than it used to be. Uh, Google, I don't know. I don't know if they just like got smart to what everybody was doing using that or, or I'm not sure exactly what happened, but a lot of the auto suggests that come up, I question that there are very many people actually searching that. So now one of the things we like to use is typing in kind of a partial search query. So instead of typing in a whole question into Google, we'll type in part of a question. So for example, with gardening, it's like, why do gardeners and just that, right? And then Google will auto suggest some things, but you can just hit enter. And then near the top of the search results will almost always, Google will provide you with a people also ask with a series of questions that people are asking that are related to what you typed in. And so something like, you know, when do gardeners or why do gardeners or whatever, Google doesn't quite know what you mean. So what are they going to do? They're going to suggest to you the most common questions that are like that. But oftentimes they're going to, they're not just going to use that wording. They're going to, they're going to try all sorts of questions that are just similar. And those are going to give you an idea of the kinds of things that are most frequently searched that are, that 
are kind of off that basis, you know, when do gardeners or whatever. And so they'll usually give you about four, but if you click on one, um, it'll kind of open up and give you an answer. And then if you, and then it'll provide you like two more questions. So you can like get a list of queries, actual search queries that are closely related to what you started with. And we use that as a great starting point to identify search queries that people are actually searching on Google. Okay. And then yeah, to that, I guess a real world example, I think they really do hone in on the questions. I remember last week I was watching NBA finals and I was trying to ask Google how many rings does Steph Curry have? And then from there, there was how many rings Steve Kerr and it kept, kept going and going. And a lot of them were related to each other and super interesting. So I feel like this would be a great starting point for someone that's thinking about, you know, starting yeah. a blog. That's great. Totally. And I feel like we could go, you know, it's been the whole, the whole time talking about SEO and how to optimize it. But I guess some like straightforward questions, like how would you recommend, you know, your website to get ranked the first page on Google? Yeah. Um, using that as a starting point, right. We're going to look at those search queries and first we're going to kind of, it's more of a thought exercise than anything. A lot of people rely on, there are keyword research tools that will try to estimate search volume for different words, but our approach, we don't really rely on keywords because that's not how Google works. Google, Google treats a query as like its own thing, independent of the wording you use. So it's like, you know, if somebody were to type in something like, uh, um, when do gardeners put fertilizer in, you know, in their garden or whatever, and and somebody else were to type in like, what's what's the best time of year to put fertilizer in your garden, you know, or what's the best time of year to fertilize your garden? Like those are all just kind of different wordings of basically the same question. And Google is constantly working on getting smarter and smarter and smarter at having their algorithm recognize those the, you know, semantically equivalent search queries. And so you can actually end up with two search queries that use totally different, you know, words, totally different keywords, but mean the same thing. And Google recognizes that. So, and anyway, there's several reasons why we don't rely on the search volume estimates provided by keyword research tools that we find them to be really unreliable. So instead what we do is we, we kind of have a bit of a thought exercise where we look at a search query and determine, you know, is this a, is this the type of search query that, you know, everybody in this industry, in, in this topic is going to search? Like, this is one of those questions that you just kind of need to know the answer to even proceed. Right. I mean, like when's the best time to plant seeds in, you know, the Pacific Northwest. It's like, well, if I'm gardening in the Pacific Northwest, like I'm going to need to know the answer to that at some point, it's going to be searched by a lot of people. Or is this the, you know, is this the type of question that like only serious gardeners are ever, ever going to have this question, you know, and then kind of there's a spectrum in between there. And um, it's like, well, I know there are some ways to identify. It's like, well, I know there are a lot of people that do gardening. It's a plenty big niche. And so depending on kind of where it falls in that spectrum, I can get an idea of, is this something that nobody's searching or is this something that a ton of people are searching or is it somewhere in between? And then we'll also go actually take the entire search query that we're going to search or that we're going to write an article for. And we'll actually just go search it in Google and see what comes up. Are, are we looking at some major authoritative websites? Are we looking at government and government websites? Are we looking at major organizations uh, you know, that are we looking at major publications uh, are, what's ranking there? Or are we looking at like forums and maybe a couple other blog posts, but based on the headline, they're not directly answering the same question. Like it's 
close, but it's not the same thing. You know, there's kind of, again, a spectrum there. And so what we're looking for is search queries where there's probably a lot of people searching for them, but the competition is fairly low. Like I can create a resource that would be uniquely helpful compared to what's there for that search query. And we find tons of those. You would think like, no, the internet's got like so many millions of websites, (laughs) like billions of pages on it. Like we've covered everything, right? No, not even close. And, and that's what we look for is those kinds of search queries. And if you do that, and then you write an article that directly answers the question very clearly, doesn't stray too far from those, that primary query, but also provides like a helpful answer. You know, when we can, we'll try to do some original research. Uh, if it's an, if it's some like a topic that you're interested in and you actually do it, then using your own experience and telling your own stories is, it's, it's a form of original research. Whereas you're competing with bloggers who are just kind of researching the internet and finding what people say and using that as their, as the basis for what they write. So the more helpful we can be, the more we can use real experience or real, sometimes data, the more, the more helpful our content is really, that's the starting point. If you can find those kinds of search queries and write helpful content, that's it. There's a ton, a ton, a ton of SEO. Most of it is just kind of specific things that barely move the needle how relevant your content is to a search query is by far the most important factor for ranking. Okay. Yeah. It's a good key. I feel like everyone should probably write that one down. What about, is there a way to, you know, kind of shortcut? I feel like a lot of people nowadays are always looking for the fastest way. Can I go out and pay someone, a company or say on Fiverr to help with SEO or give me rank on the first page? We'll be back after a quick break. If you're a podcast host or someone wanting to be interviewed on podcasts as a guest, visit podmatch.com. Podmatch automatically connects ideal podcast guests and hosts together for interviews. We always say it works just like a dating app, but instead of connecting you for dates, it connects you for podcast interviews. Podmatch has connected over 85,000 guests and hosts together for interviews that listeners love, all while saving you countless hours of administrative work through built-in automations. If you're ready to level up your podcast interviews on either side of the mic, start today by visiting podmatch.com. I will say that you can, (laughs) I will say that doing so puts your website at risk. So especially if you like go to Fiverr um, and a lot of other, even companies that do this, uh, the main thing they're going to do is what they call link building. They're going to reach out to tons and tons of other websites and try to get them to link to your website. And that's because one of Google's ranking factors, and it is a fairly high ranking factor, is in order to determine how authoritative your website is, well, if other websites are linking to you and your content, then they're kind of voting in favor of your content as being high quality or accurate or authoritative or whatever. Um, The problem is Google knows and has known for a long time that people are, are gaming this. So, you know, somebody will go out and they'll reach out to other site owners. They'll reach out. There are people that own like... They've just built tons and tons and tons and tons of websites that their only purpose of those websites existing basically is so that people will pay them to link from all these other websites to theirs. Wow. Um, and it's, it's, it's a whole industry. And if it, if it becomes obvious that that's kind of what's going on, Google can man, manually penalize your entire website. And I mean, forget it, you're, you're done. Whereas the approach that we take is when we do original research, if we create blog posts that are very citable, like we generate a statistic because we actually like 
ran an experiment or something like that, or we did a survey or whatever, we find other people quoting our numbers all the time because most people don't want to do that work. <laughs> and so, we, and they, they link to our websites. It happens organically. And then we like to do outreach by, you know, being interviewed by somebody. Uh, and it's actually not as hard to do as you would think. So to a blogger, I would say, you know, there's some great ways to go uh, to connect with podcasters, people who are creating a podcast who are looking for people to interview. There's a service you can sign up for free. I probably am an affiliate for it, but I don't even have my link. I don't know. But there's a service called Podmatch. It's kind of like a dating website for people who want to get interviewers or people to interview on their podcast and then people that want to get interviewed on a podcast. And you just put in some info about like you and what your topic is and what audience you're looking for. And they'll kind of pair you up and you can kind of search through and um, pick people that you're interested in, like being interviewed by. And I've been interviewed by several people off of there. That sort of outreach is going to build up more authority and you're going to get a really like highly relevant link that, that looks legit because it is legit. And so the, the short answer to your question is yes, there are ways to shortcut it. Most of the time they don't pay off in the long run. They'll get you, they'll get you ranked faster, but unless your, your content quality is way up there, uh, you'll lose your spot to other more deserving content. And that's really the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is you get penalized for trying to manipulate the algorithm. Okay. And it kind of goes back to, we're trying to build a long-term side also here. So of course you have a way to kind of scheme it or shortcut in the you know, the near future. But if you're looking to potentially replace an income, like we talked about in the beginning, you definitely want to plan for the long term. So it's not worth it totally. in the end. Yep. All right. Yeah. That's a great tip. Um, I guess kind of shift of gears here. Is there anything you wish you have would have known before getting started with blogging? The biggest thing that I think, and I think I kind of knew this mostly because I helped that I got into it with a, a partner that had been doing this for a long time, but it's just kind of an expectation of what it's going to take especially timeframe-wise. There are side hustles where you can start today and start earning today. Uh, with blogging, it's more like start today, work hard creating content, and then the payoff starts in like six to eight months. <laughs> and then, But then the payoff is ongoing. And if your topic is fairly evergreen, um, the content you write today can generate you income for years. And so it's it's not it's not the kind of hustle that, you're on a hamster wheel constantly having to churn out new content. It's more like you create a bunch of content and then the payoff starts happening and you can slow down and maybe even get off the hamster wheel <laughs> entirely and still generate an income for years uh, off of that content you created. So it's uh, so one of the things I love about the model is the work I do today can pay off for, for a long, long time. Whereas like, you know, a, 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 a typical job, it's like I put in hours today, I get paid now. But if I want to get paid again, I got to put hours in again later. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's, I, I think, the biggest thing. It's just a realistic understanding that you're going to put in work today and it's going to be a little while before it really pays off. But the payoff is ongoing and it can be really big. Definitely. And then I guess how many hours would you say you put in a typical week starting off a blog? And then say, based off what you just said, a year from now, what would hours be uh, like there? Yeah, I would, you know, for most people, if you can put in um, on average one to two hours a day, I, you know, some days it's just you can't fit it in, but other days it's like, oh, Saturday, maybe I'll spend half a day on it or whatever. If you can do that, then that timeline I just I talked about uh, is 
is feasible for most people. Some people, if you're kind of a perfectionist and and you're going to struggle to kind of get through that, get over that, um, there are people that will spend way too long writing a single blog post. Um, that's kind of like like hammered into us from school. Like we had to write these perfect papers and blogging is just very different than that. But yeah, I think for most people, if you can average one to two hours a day. So, I mean, we're talking, well, I mean, seven to 14 hours a week, a 10 hour, 10 to 12 hour work week on average. Okay. Do this. And then, yeah, like kind of, like we talked about the payoff could be huge. So kind of yeah. lean more into, I guess, the the money side of blogging. Uh, I guess how, yeah, how do blogs make money? Is it just through ads and affiliates or is there other revenue sources for it? Yeah. So ads and affiliates are a great starting point for some sites. That's all they're ever going to do because there's like very, very passive income streams. Like we said, like you create the content, the content keeps ranking and bringing in traffic for years. And then ads, I mean, you set it up, you're done. Affiliate, it's like, okay, we're going to check in, make sure the products like don't need to be updated because there's a new like this one's obsolete now, but you can basically set it up and it's like, okay, I'm going to check in every few months. But there are other income streams that can be, they can have a much higher payoff. A lot, you know, one of the things we just love is informational products. You create a, a digital info product. You can put together a, a short video course. You can put together, I mean, it's kind of started with eBooks. You know, an eBook on its own doesn't necessarily do as much today. doesn't make a ton of money, but we find that courses that you can create and there's platforms to do this to make it pretty easy. But, you know, if we can take information and package it up in a way that makes it particularly helpful, then we find you can make a huge, like you can take a website that, you know, that earns a couple thousand dollars a month and turn it into a $20,000 a month website just from, just from selling a course. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't believe some of the niches. Um, <laughs> there's a, there was somebody we talked to a couple of years ago who their niche was growing mushrooms, but they were making 20 or $30,000 a month selling a course on how to grow mushrooms. Wow. Um, We'll be back after a quick break. You hear a lot about supply chains these days, because if the past couple years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It's pretty incredible. So, yeah. <laughs> I guess that kind of leads us yeah, to our next point. Like, How much money can you actually earn and profit with blogging? I know there's a lot of different variables with it, depending on like totally, industry. Yeah. And But yeah, if you kind of give us a base point for maybe like an entry level, a mid-year, and then a few years down the road and a couple different industries, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Um, we actually, I did a survey uh, at the beginning of the year of people both that are members of uh, membership that we have, as well as people who are um, just watch us on YouTube and just asked, you know, some questions. And I found that on average for people who have, I mean, if you have a blog with about a hundred articles on it, these articles range usually about 1000 to 2000 words to a brand new blogger. That's like, wait, a hundred blog posts, a thousand words, 2000 words that once you start doing it, you realize like, okay, that's actually not like for me to sit down and write a thousand words. It's like, 
it's kind of hard now to summarize what I'm trying to say in only a thousand words. Um, it just starts, it gets easy. But anyway, if you have about a hundred of those blog posts, then the average for, for people, and this is mostly people who are using just the passive income streams of advertising and affiliate marketing, um, are earning about $2,400 a month um, off of those hundred blog posts. We see some, now the range for that was anywhere from about $400 to over $7,000 from those um, hundred blog posts. And actually that was, that was even those that were performing from a traffic standpoint kind of average. In fact, now I'm, now I'm looking at my survey again. On the high end, we had people with a hundred blog posts. I got to find it here real quick, but I want to share it. Come on, show it to me. There it is. People who were reaching a higher traffic point were averaging closer to $5,000 a month as the average. And I think the high end of that was like $12,000 a month. So suddenly you start to see like, oh, a $10,000 a month income would be pretty amazing for most people. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, and that's, you know, again, kind of the 10 hour work week kind of situation. We have, um, we have members now who have taken the same principle they left their day job and now they're scaling it. So they they use other people to write a lot of the content. They'll pay people to write the content for them and build multiple websites. And some of them are earning 20, 30, um, one in particular, $50,000 a month. And he's been doing this for, I want to say about three years. Wow. But that's, I mean, that's like, yeah, yeah. Who's just, it's dialed in and he's just scaling it, you know? What do you think like the biggest difference is with people that are at the top end of the the income? Is it the industry? Is it they're just really well, really good at writing? Is it, I guess, the website, how it looks, or just a combination of everything that makes it where a lot more viewers are coming back to it then? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is um, it, it goes back to picking the right topics. Um, that concept we talked about before. We call that process search analysis. A lot of people call it keyword research, but essentially it's identifying what search queries to write about. Because a lot of these people who are really successful reach a point where they're like, you know what? I, I can do more of this than like, I can't do as much as I want to because I'm limited on how much I can write. You know, my time is the big limitation, right? So, but writing, there are a lot of people who are skilled at writing, but aren't, they don't know the rest of this whole process. So let me identify the topics for them. And then let me teach them how to write in the style that we want to write, you know, answering the question the way that, you know, and, and just show them how to do that and then let them go. And so, uh, and that's the thing is like, if, if it clicks enough that they can kind of, they can systematize it, repeat it over and over and over again themselves, then it makes it easy for them to start to outsource some of it to, to either build a little team or, or use a service that writes content as well. There are several of those. In fact, we have one ourselves. I mentioned we have like 40 writers. And so we write the content for them. Our people do. And it's it's those ones. It's the ones who it kind of clicks. They figure out how to identify those topics, probably more so than any other one skill. All right. So yeah, based on, I guess, your previous response with you know how much upside there is with setting a blog, especially if you really want to scale it, it sounds like this is you know a high likelihood that it could replace your nine to five and really scale it to, like you said, include other members to freelance, or maybe you just concentrate on one part of the business, whether it's picking out what topics, what responses they have and what the blogs are about. But yeah, so it sounds like you can't potentially replace your nine to five then. Yeah, totally. In fact, that's kind of the primary goal that most um, 
like uh, the membership we have, we call it Project 24. And the reason for that is kind of the baseline goal is to try to replace the income you earn from a job in about 24 months. And I guess still talking about uh, income ad revenue along those lines, is there a way to switch out other services for the ads you're actually placing on the website? Uh, I've seen some other videos saying that Google AdSense isn't probably the best one to go with uh, when you have an established website. Is that the case then? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, uh, it's funny because Google basically owns like ads on the web, most of them, <laughs> but there are some other platforms that have been developed uh, really like mostly for bloggers that do a great job of providing what we call programmatic ads. So essentially what they'll do is they'll put little placeholders on your website. AdSense basically does the same thing. And then they'll have all the different advertisers. Um, this is an automated process, but they kind of bid on how much they'll pay for each of those spots. And what we find is with uh, these other organizations, there's um, Ezoic, starts with, it's E-Z-O-I-C. Ezoic, they, um, they'll take your site earlier than in any of the other ones. They use Google's ads, but it's not Google AdSense. There's uh, something called the Google Ad Exchange. So people are still selling their ads or you know, paying for ads through Google, but Google is sending them out um, through the ad exchange and you earn substantially more. And then they, they throw in other advertisers, um, some other platforms outside of Google as well. But it's funny because Google still <laughs> provides most of the ads on the web. So Ezoic is a great one to get started with. Um, and you can start with them pretty early on, like basically from the beginning of your blog. If you can get approved for AdSense, then you can get approved for Ezoic basically. But uh, Mediavine is another great one. Uh, it's just, you have to start, you have to get some real traffic to your site before they'll work with you because there's just a little bit more hands-on process. But the, ad, the rates, the amount that we earn from ads through those, companies is way higher than when we just use AdSense. More like somewhere between about five and 20 times higher. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's, yeah. Now I'm the, the ballpark I was thinking. That's great. Yeah. No, it's um, with AdSense, like it's possible to be really successful, but you have to really know what you're doing and place all your ad placements and follow the data. Like you have to really manage it uh, to figure out how to optimize your site. And there's, I've met a few people that are like, oh, I earn as much with AdSense as people do with Mediavine. And I say, well, great, good for you, good, great job, um, but but like it's a huge difference. Uh, on average, I'd say most people do about ten times as much. Wow, yeah, that definitely is a big difference. <laughs> what yeah. about when it when it comes to like the monthly expenses? Is there really any expenses maybe besides WordPress, or is it basically all profit when it comes to blogging? It's really dang close. So for you know. The first few months, you're like not really earning anything. Um, you're, you're, you'll notice that you're paying for stuff. With by the time you start earning basically anything, um, it's like you're profitable. So um, I actually, I at one point put together kind of a list of um, the expenses, right? And the only thing you really need to pay for is that web hosting. So um, and that I mean, you can pay as little as about five dollars a month for. Um, good web hosting is probably going to, it's going to cost you more like 10 to $14 a month for, and that's going to be just like good web hosting. You'll never have to move to a different host ever again. As your site gets bigger, that cost can go up a little bit, but it's, it's just so small in comparison. Like if you needed to upgrade to like a $50 plan, you, you, the traffic to your website is enough that you're earning tens of thousands of dollars probably. Um, 
there are other costs you can spend uh, for sure. Um, I guess one is you need to register a domain. That's like nine bucks a year um, to keep a .com domain registered. Um, you might order, you might pay for a WordPress theme, but now we're getting to the point to where there's some great free ones out there that just don't cost you anything. Um, one service I would pay for is site backup, but the backup tool that we use, it does a ton of things other than just backing up your website automatically every day, but monthly backups are free and daily backups. It's like a dollar 99 a month. So, I mean, we're talking just like nothing. Um, some people will pay for like stock images, then your costs can go up quite a bit. But if it's a, if it's a topic is something that you like, and it's something you're doing and you just can take some photos to put in blog posts, then it's free. So, um, anyway, like your total cost, we're talking like 15 bucks a month um, for most people. So yeah, it's almost like, yeah, getting a a Netflix account. So I feel like this is potentially the side hustle for you. Like there's really no excuse not to do it besides the whole time commitment. If you could commit to the months or potentially you're saying up to two years, like I feel like this is a great, you know, side hustle for a lot of people to do, especially it's on your own time. So another, I think question I'm going to have and kind of through myself too. So I started a website has some uh, financial blogs with more bigger picture uh, ones. So I, I think that's playing into overall not getting a lot of search volumes, but I feel like there's a lot of people that can relate to. They started a blog, they have maybe 10, 15, 20 posts, but they're only getting, you know, less than a hundred views per month. Do you, I guess, have any, any like big tips? Does it really go back to what we talked about before and throughout this whole interview, which, um, you know, really picking on those key topics, making sure that there's demand searches for it, but also something that you could, provide a good quality uh, post for. Yeah. I mean, those are going to be the key things is making sure we identify those right topics, but also, especially if you're in a niche, that's, that's kind of tough. It's pretty competitive, um, you know, in the financial space, um, you know, I mean, you're talking about side hustles, but still there's like, there's that financial piece there. Um, And Google has a little bit higher threshold of, um, when, when we're talking about things, they, they refer to it as YMYL, your money, your life. If there's, if there's topics that are impacting your finances or your health, um, they have this higher threshold of uh, kind of authoritativeness. They want to know that the content is accurate because they don't want either, you know, innocent, but inaccurate content or, um, you know, blatant scams and stuff <laughs> that there's tons of on the web. Um, and so they said they kind of have a different threshold there. And so um, if you're in one of those spaces in particular, but really for anyone who's struggling at all, um, in addition to creating the content, writing about those topics um, that really do have, you know, there's actual search intent and search volume behind them. Um I would say building that authority, which is going to come down to trying to participate in your industry outside of just your website. So, um, you know, a lot of people are just going to, again, try to do that link building. Um, but we, we find there's just a lot more benefit if we can do activities that really build authority. So again, being interviewed on a podcast, like there's kind of inherently built into that, um, a certain level of like the person running the podcast saw you as reasonably authoritative. And that that is like always going to include a link to your website. 
um, because they're, the show notes for that podcast is they're going to get published on a website. That's kind of how how it tends to work, um, and they're basically always going to link back. Uh, and if they're not going to do that, like you probably wouldn't go on their podcast. So you're going to get a backlink, but it's going to be highly contextual. But also, you're going to have a whole interview of content where people hear this and see you as authoritative. You'll usually get a little burst of traffic when that happens. Um, likewise, I mean, find YouTubers, especially those with um, smaller channels who are going to be more open to collaborating. Um, and uh, I mean, even just doing what we're doing, where you're interviewing me and we're talking, um, you know, if you find YouTubers that would have you on their channel, then they're going to link to your channel, but you can also say, Hey, I have this website. You can mention that in the interview. Um, and you're going to get people that click over there. And what we find is that even when there's not a link, those mentions, um, also tend to lend authority, especially when it, when people go from this piece of content, like Google seems to notice that if Google sees that, Oh, a bunch of people clicked on the link from this YouTube video and went over to your website, um, then something about that, like that video itself lends authority to you, um, and to your website. And so, um, you know, those kinds of activities, I think are going to go a long ways. Um, the other thing too, though, is like, you kind of just have to keep turning out content. Um, there's kind of a, I wouldn't say that there's like a bare minimum, but it seems like in most industries, there is kind of a minimum amount of content before, um, before Google's going to really have confidence that this website's legitimate, you know? Um, and so we want to make sure that the topics we cover on our website we cover them fairly exhaustively, like multiple articles on the different aspects of the topic. Um, it's better to focus on a few things than to spread out and talk about everything. Like you wouldn't want to have 20 posts that cover every aspect of personal finance or whatever. You would want to kind of take your like, okay, we're doing side hustle stuff. Um, so let's kind of focus on, on that um, with, with several posts and um kind of cover that topic pretty exhaustively. And that way you're going to build more authority just from the content you write um, within the within that aspect of finance. Um, so those are some of the things, I guess, but uh, more content is a big piece of it, but also building authority, especially in these um, competitive, but also high, highly scrutinized <laughs> um, topics or industries. Definitely. Yeah, I think, yeah, kind of just going first. Full circle, I feel like building those connections and then say if you go on a podcast, they reference it and then you have a bunch of other connections. It paints a picture that, yeah, you could, you know, you know what you're talking about. It provides, I guess, guidance to other people and then Google will recommend it more because it knows it's higher quality right. content. So that makes a lot of it. And it goes back to you're not going to really be able to shortcut the whole process. So just good quality posts and then hopefully naturally talking with other people and networking, you could really get your website and blog out there then. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and Google does a, a good job of their job, which is to try to surface good content. Um, but it, it does kind of take sort of like getting over that first hurdle of getting them to look at it and say, okay, yeah, we're going to trust it enough to start really trying it out in this, in the search results. And then based upon how people interact with that content going forward, then if it's good content, it's, it's going to do great. And, and we find that once we kind of get through that, um, then we can publish a blog post and 
we're talking in a matter of couple, in a matter of hours, um, if not a few days, brand new content is already right there on page one. Um, it doesn't take a long time always. It just is in the very beginning. There's that trust factor that Google has to kind of get over. <laughs> okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then I just kind of wrapping up the whole interview, just a couple other questions, but we kind of touch on this throughout the whole interview, but is it too late to get started with blogging? Would you say like the market's too saturated? Um, I really don't think it's too saturated. Um, I do think there are a couple things happening right now that don't make me think it's too late, but that are things that we sh people should be aware of. One is um, there's a lot of people trying to use AI tools to generate content in mass amounts. Um, it's crummy content <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, it, and I don't think that it poses a huge risk, but um, but that is kind of like causing large volumes of content to be created. Uh, Google is actively like basically finding ways to algorithmically sort through the content um, and low quality content just doesn't perform well. So it's not a huge threat, but there are a lot of people doing that kind of stuff. Um, the other thing is that there are a lot of searches today that used to go to blogs where Google is kind of surfacing more and more video content. Um, it used to be like there were some really big tutorial websites like eHow, you know. Um, nowadays, if you type like how to and then whatever it is, almost always Google will show several videos uh, at the top of the search results. Um, partly because Google owns YouTube. <laughs> and so if they can keep you on their platform, they keep the ad revenue. It's good for them. But also because as there's more and more video content available, more people creating um, searches like how to do something, oftentimes a video is more helpful than a blog post. And so if you're getting into blogging, just, just know that um, there's a chance that video is actually going to play a, a part in your future. Um, and if you're not willing to get into video, then you may be fighting an uphill battle in the long run. But for now, like just a, a pure blog still works great, but just video is, is taking off for sure. Okay. And that kind of leads us into my next question I had is, well, who would you recommend for people to not to try this side hustle? Yeah, I would say um, like for one, if you're the kind of person who um, like, one, if, if, if you're like, I need an income now, <laughs> that it, sorry, it's just not really going to happen yeah. with a blog. Um, you need to be able and willing to be patient. Um, and I get it. Like there are times where it's like, no, I just lost my job and I need an income. It's like, okay, that's fine. Um, you might need to find a part-time job or just take what you can get and start this on the side, knowing that it's going to, it might, you know, you might be able to then quit that in the future, um, but it's not going to make an income right away. Or, you know, whether it's a part-time job or another side hustle, right? Um, there are side hustles that can generate money right away. Um, I would also say uh, people who are, um, like, if you if you struggle to stick with something for very long, um, you know, you're constantly either, either there's a couple of reasons why people tend to kind of leave this and fail, um, which by far the biggest reason people fail is they give up. Um, before they have a chance to succeed. Um, and there's a couple of reasons why. One is they get they get bored of it um, because, you know, they just like to bounce between different things. And that's fine. Um, 
by the way, some people like that can still succeed at this. You just have to be the kind of person that's just going to like bust it really hard for a while before you move on. Um, that works really well, actually. Um, and then the second is people who are just like constantly second guessing themselves. So if you just are like, oh, I don't know if I can do this every other day, um, chances are you're not, you're going to second guess yourself to the point of not creating content. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who like write three blog posts one week and then nothing for a month. And it's like, eh, you're going to, you need to get like 30 posts out there pretty much as quick as you can, just to get the ball rolling, to get Google, to start saying, oh, there's, there's some content here that we can work with. Um, after that, it's fine. Like slow down a bit. That's okay. But you know, those first 30 to 50, let's get them out there as quick as we can. Um, and so if you're going to second guess yourself all the time and I, you can develop that confidence with time, but um, you need to be willing to and able to kind of like push yourself through that. <laughs> and then, um, and then when the results come in, the confidence grows for everybody, but because the results are delayed, people with that struggle are probably not going to stick with it. Okay. Yeah. Someone, so sounds like someone that could have delayed gratification that could see the long-term benefits of this and stick with it over that term. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. And then just wrapping up the whole interview, do you have any final tips or I guess last words for someone that's looking to start a blog? You know, if this is something that you're considering, I'd say, you know, um, I mean, go check out our YouTube channel, the income school channel. We've got tons of great resources there, but, um, but also, you know, just, uh, I guess just get ready to like get, I guess, get to work. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it is going to be hard. Um, this is, there's nothing about blogging. That's like even remotely in the get rich quick kind of mindset. Um, but the, the cool thing is, is how like, how repeatable that we found this to be is if you're willing to put in the effort and follow like the process that we've, that we've kind of proven time and time again, um, the odds of success are, are very high. Um, and so, you know, I guess that's it. It's just like set aside the time, plan a schedule where you can give yourself an, at least an hour uh, most every day, whether that's in the morning, evening, or on a lunch break, it doesn't matter when, and just plan to put in the effort. Um, and you're going to do just fine. Uh, if, if you can't do that, then that's okay. There's lots of other great side hustles out there. Definitely. But yeah, that was all the questions I have. I think it was a huge help for myself and definitely for the viewers. I think there was a lot of great nuggets. So I just want to thank you for your time. And if any of the viewers yeah. want to learn more yeah. about yourself or any of the great content you have, we're going to leave a link to your YouTube channel as well as your website below. But yeah, I just want to thank you again for your time and I really do appreciate it. So thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Huge thanks again to Ricky for all the great advice and tips about how you can get started making thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars in profits per month with blogging. If you want to learn more about blogging, how to get started, and all the tips needed in order to be successful, feel free to check out the Income School YouTube channel and subscribe. Please leave a comment what side hustle you would like me to do an interview for next down below. If this video brought you any kind of value, please make sure to subscribe and share the video. Feel free to check out all my other videos about different side hustles that I personally have tried and to learn more about personal finance. I'll see you guys in the next one. And this is Kevin, your financial tutor, signing off. Peace.